this is going to be a fun show. You know, one Why thing, you say that? Well, because this is a couple that we actually get the opportunity to talk to that I found out that we were at the beginning you of were their, part of their origin story. Yeah, the very beginning of their relationship. And that was so cool for me to find out. I did not know that when, <laughs> we, when it was initially, you know. Fun so, facts. Yes, absolutely. So we're going to be talking to Ricky and Naomi Higby about their story. And it's going to be something that I think you may find a little bit interesting. We're going to be talking about that on this episode of the Rich Relationship Podcast with Gil and Renee. Coming up. Welcome to the Rich Relationship Podcast with Gil and Renee, where amazing things happen. Our goal is to help build, repair, and restore healthy relationships. Our primary focus is on the marriage relationship. However, the topics are applicable to the relationships that we value most. Remember, we're stronger together. Let's grow. Well, Mr. Ricky and Miss Naomi, thank you guys for joining us on the Rich Relationship Podcast with Gil and Renee. Thank you so much. It's uh, our pleasure to be here. Yes, thank you so much. We're excited to be here. We've been waiting for this. Is that right? Well, we're excited to have you. We know you had to go through great lengths to get the house quiet. You know, when we have little people who like to make noise and want our undivided attention. So thank you for you guys' um, sacrifice of time and your great effort you had to go through to do be able to do this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. They, um, our, our little guy, even though we're old, our little guy was a uh, was our blessing in our later years. <laughs> well, that is always a plus. You know, one of the things that I, I said in the intro was like, I did not know we actually were there. I know Ricky and I talked a little bit about this, but I thought that was pretty cool. So I want everybody else to hear about you guys' love story and how you actually met. So I'll let you guys take the the driver's seat. And we always like to see who goes first. So who's going to go first? Well, you know, typically it's Ricky, but I think I'll I think I'll start just because it's typical that he starts, so I'm going to I'll go against the grain. Go ahead, girl. Change it up. Right? You know, sometimes you, you got to change it up a little bit. Um, but yes, yeah, so we all met together at a mutual friend's house. Um, the Tammy and Chris Robinson. Yay, so Tammy and Chris, we love y'all. <laughs> Yeah. So I had been, I was kind of the friend, I think, of Tammy's who had been single for so long and she was, she would invite me over. I don't know. Sometimes it seemed like weekly, like she was, she was always sending an invite and I'm such an introvert that um, I really, I don't like crowds and I'm very particular. So I always have to ask, okay, who's going to be there? How many people are going to be in the space? And, you know, all of this. So finally I thought, you know, she invited, she had invited me, I don't know, 10 times and I probably declined all of them. And um, finally I said, okay, I've got to make an appearance. I really have to make an appearance at, at, um, at something. So she was throwing some, I think it was like a football game or something. They were having people over for a football game. I don't even know anything about the sport. Um, but I went because I just thought it was, you know, I needed to make an appearance. So I went and that's when we met you and um, the two of you. And that's when I met Ricky. And um, I was, it was quite interesting because all the guys were there and they're all watching football. Um, they're all like glued to the football game. But Ricky, I don't know if you remember, Renee, um, Ricky was in the kitchen with us. Talking yes, there. he was. <laughs> 
because he had, you know, two, having two daughters, you know, they were in ballet and that sort of thing. So he was very, for whatever reason, he was very intrigued by my bun and my hair. So, so literally that was the cover. That was how we met. We met really over the conversation of hair. And I remember I took my hair down so you could see how the bun was made and all of this. But so that was our that was our big meeting was there. So Ricky the Robinsons though, and I'm I'm glad we get to bring them up because um for me and the, my girls at that particular time, the Robinsons and the Hesters were extremely um, helpful for us. Um, at that time, I was a widower, so I was a single dad trying to take care of two daughters. And that um, brings about the issue of the bun. Um, they were both in ballet, so trying to learn how to do that whole bun thing um, was a real thing to me. Uh, it was a really good um, topic to bring up as well to be able to um, talk to Naomi, too. So that was um, that was really good. Um, it was one of those things where as I'm sitting there talking about the buns, I see this kind of quiet girl with this totally awesome smile that is talking about learning how to play the guitar. So that re- those things right there were very intriguing to me. Um, but the biggest thing that really popped out to me in there was her ability, her ability to articulate. Mm-hmm. I was like, dang. So killer smile. And then her, her, the way that she used language was extremely impressive to uh, to me so that was kind of the the hook that really brought me in right from right from the beginning so ricky you can be honest it was the bun was that your in move or was that your real inquisitive <laughs> uh, yes, the buns yes. got you a hun <laughs> so yes yeah, so whatever that that practical thing has has many um uses so it worked well <laughs> so that's actually pretty good. So you, you said you, you were interested and you, you already mentioned that you were a widower, you know, and at the very beginning at that point, how, how long were you a widower during that time? Probably almost a year, maybe. OK. And, and the reason why I ask that is because I guess when someone goes to an event like that, it's not like they're looking to really start dating again. Was that something that you had to really contemplate or was you, were you at a point in your life that you were just looking to find a, a new, um, not a necessarily a new mate, but just to kind of re-enter, re-enter this normal life, so to speak, if there is such a thing after something like that? Yeah, I was definitely um, at that point. The So there was a, there was, through that grieving process, et cetera, that really wasn't on the radar um, as far as um, seeking out a mate or anything like that. But the, absolutely, especially being a dad of two girls, that started to um, rear its head. Um, some, well, that doesn't sound very good, but it started to come up. Right. Um, and some of my close friends at church that kind of went through that with me as well, they uh, really walked with me through that because in all vulnerability, there came a point where I had the mentality of plug and play. Okay, I need to plop somebody else back in this role that can do the things that have to be done. Um, obviously, I had very good friends at church that said, Ricky, you're a jerk. And I was like, okay, I get that. I see I probably shouldn't go down that, that road of just looking for somebody to feel the practical aspects of um, the home life. And interestingly enough, that outlook um, still causes complexities in our relationship now as far as me being a very practical individual as far as I am happiest when the things when things are done. Um, I'm not very good at at being and the relationship side of things. Um, Naomi, on the other side, on the other hand, I think is very, very good at that. She's very much about the relationship. The uh, I could actually say, without the focus of Christ, I could actually say, as long as everything is taken care of, 
I'm happy. And and I'm the complete opposite of that. I'm all about let's sit and let's go fly kites. Or let's <laughs> and so I literally am the complete opposite of that. Um, somehow it works, you know. Obviously, we make it work, but it's definitely. I think it probably rears its head a little bit more with parenting because he's a lot more sort of functional and. That's the word. I think that I think that would be the word. He's more into the function. And I'm more into let's just let's just sit and breathe. Like let's just sit and have a chat, you know? No time for chatting. Get the work done. <laughs> period. It's not that bad. So so um, what so what have been some of the practical ways, Ricky, that you can say that your relationship with Naomi has helped you to get in touch with not just being so focused on function and the task? Oh, this is good. This is a good question. <laughs> so the I would say that the biggest way that happens is we kind of created this little this name for ourselves R K Y X N A O Ricky and Nao um, and that X in the middle if you look at the Greek word for Jesus the first letter of in the Greek for Jesus is X so we attached ourselves to Christ Christ is the center of everything period end of story that that is that, th- go ahead go ahead that was that was I was just going to say that's an excellent foundational principle to start with yes and and our my big thing is i say that in word doing that in practice is a whole nother thing so she she can bring me back to that um much easier i'm much more of a um a heady kind of guy i'm gonna the thinking part the mental part where she is going to be able to just by her actions and her being not even really even needing to say anything she is able to bring me back. Now, here's the problem for Ricky. Um, she can show me the way, but obviously it's still up to Ricky to do the way. And that's personally for Ricky, that's the hardest part for me is to do what I know is right. So a practical thing that she has done, Naomi brings me to the relationship piece. So I would actually have to say, oh. Uh, so Ricky often works, he works in steps. Like I literally often have to tell him exactly what to do. So, you know, we have teenage girls and um, teenage girls can sometimes be difficult, right? Oh, absolutely. So our 16 year old and Ricky, you know, can tend to butt heads quite often. So sometimes I will I'll literally have to tell Ricky steps. So this is what I want you to do. Emma's in her room. She's upset right now. Go into her room, rub her forehead say, I love you and I'm proud of you. And, you know, and then, and then leave with whatever it is that you want to say. Like, I'll, I'll literally have to walk him through the steps of having a moment, you know, with her and it will completely disarm her. Um, so let me explain. Let me explain. So here, so the word, the key word here is hashtag momentum. So, and actually this just came to me today. I'm laughing because you see that even he adds function to that. <laughs> right. So it's momentum because I've already thought about all those things in my head of what I should do. But again, getting to that precipice of stepping over the threshold to actually do them. What what Naomi brings to it for me is she creates the moment, creates the momentum, and then I just mentally need to keep that momentum going. And when I can do that through the pride of curtain, then the good things happen. You know, it's- um, so I say, okay, pride, I push you down and I allow this momentum to take me through to, yeah, Naomi just made me upset, but I know that I want to talk to her and apologize to her. So pride down, momentum, momentum, momentum. And as long as I kind of keep that mantra going, then the good side can happen. You know, that's a, a, 
a good analogy. And why when you were saying that, I had the image of someone learning to ride a bicycle. You know, someone is basically helping you balance and get you going and get the momentum going. And then they kind of give you that push. And then now it's up to you to maintain it and keep it going. Naomi, when when Ricky was going through those things, how was it that you were able to communicate to him to navigate that area of this is what you need to do to actually overcome situations that you've seen from a, a woman's perspective. I think that's what Renee has actually helped me do is identify those areas. So where was there something there that you identified that he just Ricky just had difficulty grabbing onto? Absolutely. And I think I think you hit it when you said as a as a woman. Um, so having girls, you know, Ricky doesn't necessarily think like a teenage girl. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> Fortunately, um, I'm thankful for that. But I once was a teenage girl, right? So right. It's, um, it comes a little bit easier for me to be able to communicate with them um, because I understand oftentimes what they're, you know, often what they're trying to say and what their emotions are sometimes getting in the way of them getting out. Uh, so I can, um, I find I can communicate with them that way. And there's often things that are... Uh, that are unsaid that I can just read just from being a woman and having a certain amount of emotional intelligence that I can tell the second I walk through the door, uh, sometimes this will happen where I'll walk through the door and I can automatically tell that one of the kids is just sort of in a mood about something. And I'll ask Ricky, hey, what's going on with Ella? What's going on with Emma? And he's like, what are you talking about? They seem fine to me, you know? But often that is just, you know, it's just for him, it's just, it doesn't come as naturally as it does to me. So I would say, but I think often it's just it's just knowing little knowing girls, knowing knowing how to communicate with them and talking with them enough where I can see that there is a certain response that I will get from them that Ricky will not get from them. So because I know that I can communicate with them a certain way and get a positive response uh, or or get a, you know, if it's chores or something that needs to get that we need to get done around the house, I can ask Emma and there's never even a problem. As a matter of fact, this morning, I had to get her out of bed to come down and help me with groceries. Uh, and uh, she'll get right up in the morning. Hey, Emma, I just need you to come downstairs and help me with these groceries. She's right up. Yes, ma'am. And she'll take care of everything. If Ricky asked her, it would be a totally different story. But I think often it's in how the approach is. He's a bit more function. So I might say, I might go in and rub her head and say, hey, I need your help with something. He's going to go in and say, hey, I'm going to groceries in here. So it's it's working through that. It's like uh, it's sort of adjusting the way that he, you know, I think he's learning how to communicate with them based on how I communicate with them. You know, it's 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 beautiful to see how our differences can be either a launching pad or an anchor that draws us down. And what I would, Ricky, what I would like to ask you is when you watch Naomi, when you watch her interact with the girls, do you realize, and I love Naomi that you mentioned emotional intelligence. Do you, does it make you aware? And you also have mentioned the word pride. Does mm -hmm. it make you aware of our need as, you know, because everybody has different personalities. Most of the time, type A personalities can be very purpose oriented versus people oriented, but has mm -hmm. it made you aware of your need to increase your emotional intelligence? And if it has, do you know what are some steps you can take to do that? Uh, yes, absolutely. It has increased my awareness of um, the need for addressing that emotional intelligence. I, not saying this is good, but I work in roles and hats. 
depending the hat I have on at the time is going to depend on what I'm doing. Um, and I haven't, the dad hat for me is not my sweet spot. And I surely don't say that with any kind of pride. Um, that is that one of the biggest things that, that I have learned in our relationship is I have found the, the thing that I cannot do, that unless I rely on Christ, I cannot do the dad thing the way I need to do it. And I cannot do the husband thing the way that I can do it. I can do a lot of other things supposedly on my own. But what God has shown me in this relationship is just in glaring lights. Here is the thing that, you know what, you cannot do. And I find myself falling flat on my face so many times because I try to do it on my own. But I but every single time I get to that gate and I choose not to open the gate. Now, the question could be, well, have you allowed him to do it? Um, not yet. Why that is? I don't know. It could be that pride thing again. Um, but it's one of those things of, okay, you know what you need to do, but you don't do it. Uh, that's where I am more often than not when it comes to within these four walls of our home. Right. And I say that sadly. Yeah. But, you know, a part of the, the coming to getting better, even in relationships, is understanding that that's why you get married. That's why you start a mm -hmm. relationship is because you recognize that there's deficiencies that I need to get better at. And I think that's where our wives are great at helping us to navigate those areas as men with teaching us how to do those emotional things and get in tap in touch with those emotional things. If we can go backwards a little bit, what was the dating time that you guys, when you guys were dating, what was that like coming from, you know, from that first meeting at the party? What was the, the dating and the courtship time? What, how was that for you, both of you guys? The, um, laugh, laughable. Short. <laughs> yeah. Fairly non-existent. Um, so that was January, February time frame when we met and we ended up getting married in August. So it was very much um, a time of the train still rolling because we still have dance, we still have work, we still have school, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now we're trying to make this relationship thing work um, at the same time. And we, we still have repercussions of that um, now. We haven't had that time of just me and Naomi to grow and communicate and be together. We have yet to have that um, because of the, the the life stages that we were in when we got married. Right. And yeah, I think that's one of the things with, you know, having a, just being a blended family. Uh, so when we initially got married, so I came to the marriage with a son who was, I think Isaiah was 16, 16, almost 17 at the time. And he was living in North Carolina. And then we had, you know, we had the two girls here and it all, it was just, uh, it, it, it's almost like there wasn't even much time for a courtship. I think Ricky was, like we said, Ricky's very functional and I'm more of like the, let's sit back and smell the roses. So even you like, it felt we didn't really have much of a courtship, but even that was me pumping the brakes a little bit, because I think if Ricky had his way, we would have been married, what, in 60 days, 30 days after meeting. So that was even pumping the brakes a little bit, um, I think. But, um, you know, I think the Lord has a plan. And even though we may be, maybe we, we might have stumbled through some things, we are, we're learning. We're still learning. We're learning each other every day. We're learning our kids every day. We're, we're learning each other as we're blending our family together. And um, so I took the, the, the verse in scripture that talks about, I can do all things through Christ. I took that very, very literally. 
the fact that I didn't, it didn't matter to me that we were so, we knew each other such a short amount of time. It didn't matter that we were not, we didn't have a whole lot of things in common. The, for me, there's a, there's a line in a, in a, in a song by Andy Minio. He says, does she have a good mind? Does she fly? And does she love God? My response to those three questions in that song were check, check, and check. All right, end of story. Let's go. God's got this. We will rock and we will roll through Christ. We will figure it out um, on the way. We will build the wings as we fly the airplane. And that is not easy, but it's very, very, I think very, very good. Very, it makes me think of tilling the soil, continually tilling the soil, creating our way very, not easily, but I hope to say when when we're able to look back and say, okay, it was done richly because it wasn't easy at all. And we've said this before, this has been some of the hardest things we've ever done because it's such a selfless thing. And for me, Ricky, I can be such a selfish person. And, and part of that is, is a good, good follow-up on that is when you guys come into those relationships where you didn't have a lot of time to, you know, go through the dating process or you're also working with the dynamics of a blended family. There's a lot of different variables going on at the same time. What are some of the things that you guys have done as far as just reconnecting or establishing those connections that you didn't get a chance or an opportunity to do like date night or just spending like like Naomi say just snuggling or just watching a movie to be present in the moment what are some of the practices that you guys do in that area well before COVID-19 sort of hit us right. we, were, we tried to be very intentional about making sure that we had fairly maybe not often enough but still fairly consistent date nights uh we had done a couple we did a few weeks a few weekends, just the two of us, where we would get a babysitter, find somebody that we trusted that could hang out with the kids for a couple of days. So we, we, we have done that a couple of times, but we do try to be intentional. And um, initially when we got married, it seemed as though there was no free time, even at home. So I had to be, and this was hard. I'm, I'm probably... Ricky doesn't have a whole lot of boundaries with certain things. And I'm like queen of boundaries. (laughs) So when, um, so when I moved in, there was a lot of changes. And one of the things that was, that I found was we were having a lot of struggle with was all hours of the day, people were always in and out of our bedroom, uh, knocking, you know, it was not just one good night. It was 14. We had to say good night 14 (laughs) different times, you know, throughout the evening. So instead I said, okay, look, here's the deal. Everybody is in their rooms. You don't have to be asleep, but everybody has to be in their rooms at nine o'clock. Once the door is closed, the door is closed. Once our bedroom door is closed, our bedroom door is closed. Unless the house is on fire or there's somebody at the door, the toilet is overflowing. Please do not even knock because that's our time to finally like ah, just exhale and talk, reconnect and just relax and not even if we say nothing to each other. It's just our time to just be for a couple of minutes. So that was one of the things that I that probably pretty quickly on uh, had to shift. Okay, nine o'clock, every kids, you're in your rooms. That's it. You know, one of the questions I want to ask is that, you know, when you listen to your stories and you listen to like Ricky, you know, has confessed that he is very task oriented and very get it done, and you're more, you know sit back and smell the roses, but you also seem to have the understanding of boundaries. Um, What would you say 
as a result of, you know, maybe your childhood, what would you attribute that ability to manage truth and grace versus just truth or grace? What would you say attributes that to for you, Naomi? Was it something where you were taught growing up? And then Ricky, for you, how would you say your childhood has shaped the way you function in relationships? That's such a great question. Uh, for me, I would say, this is, in all honesty, I grew up in a pretty chaotic environment. So I was not taught that. But I think because of the environment that I grew up in, I craved to be able to control the environment that I was in. To a certain extent, I knew the things that make, I know the things that make me feel peaceful and the things that don't allow me to feel peaceful. And as a result, I think that's why for me, I have to have those boundaries in place. So I know I don't feel at peace when there's crazy and chaos and circus going on. That's, that's not where I'm, it, it has to be peaceful with sun shining <laughs> and easy. So I think because, because of, you know, the way I grew up, I, I learned, I had to learn very quickly how to create a peaceful space. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's really good. So and for me, um, it's a whole lot of truth with not a lot of grace. Uh, that's kind of my default, the way I default now. And I can see going back as a kid, there wasn't a lot of hugs and physical kind of um, love growing up. Growing up, I think um, we went to 11 different schools and 11 different homes. So there was a lot of change, a lot of transition. And what I found myself doing, and this is a this is one of the common things that we we do have in common is we both felt God's hand on us even when we were just a little kid. As I'm a little kid and not getting necessarily the physical love that I need, I, I had lots of surrogate families that I intentionally reached out to to gather that particular um, aspect of relationships, all very Christ-centered. So I saw in those families very, very good examples of what dads should do, of what families could be like. But my by example and by genealogy, short, curt, that kind of communication was what's more common as far as what I saw at home. There was not a lot of conversation. So, and this drives Naomi crazy that I could sit all day and not say a word to anybody and be totally cool with that. I'm totally all right with that. She is not. <laughs> that, that doesn't work well for her. But that when I look at the, the modeling that I saw with my parents, my both of my parents are very not huge talkers, but that's been something that I have recognized and at least aware of it and addressing it kind of comes in gross and, and spurts. So I would say a lot of truth and not as much grace as uh, needs to be. Right. And, and we're talking to Ricky and Naomi Higby on this episode of the Rich Relationship Podcast with Gil and Renee. And we're going to be talking to them here in a second about the blended family stuff that they mentioned here during the episode. So stand by for that. Gil and Renee Beaver's over 30 year relationship is the genesis for the Rich Relationship Podcast, which is to empower individuals with the tools, principles, and the community needed to unpack ourselves, our past, and our preconceived notions associated with relationships. Let's get empty and grow together so that our lives will be filled with love and healthy, rich relationships. Now let's go into our show. So we're talking to Ricky and Naomi Higby, and they were talking about some of their past and some of their episodes when how they actually got together and met. But what, coming back, I wanted to actually ask you guys, how has the 
a blended family adjustment happened. Naomi, you, you went into the role as a mom of two t- teenage daughters now. What were some of the difficulties or challenges, if you had any, that you had to come because you had boy uh, a son before that. So now you got girls. Was that difficult for you? Completely different. Completely different. Um, so when Ricky and I got married, uh, uh, so Isaiah was 17 when we got married. The girls were, I believe, Ella was eight and Emma was 11. So they are now well into teenage life. But at the time, so we had 17, 8, and 11. And uh, and it was it was not at all. I think before Ricky and I got married, I really thought sort of this was going to be, I didn't, I, I thought it was going to be easy street. Like, I know girls, I know kids, I get along with the kids just fine. But it was complete, complete nothing that I had ever anticipated. Um, for the most part, so, the, our, so our son at the time did not, he wasn't on board at all. Isaiah felt very left out. He felt as though um, in many ways that I, that, you know, when I got remarried, he felt like I had just, I was now the mom of these two kids and he couldn't find where he fit into the space. He is, um, so he was living with his dad in North Carolina at the time. And our daughters were, I think, I think Emma actually adjusted very quickly. So Emma is, Emma was 11. So she adjusted to me being there very quickly. Ella, who was eight at the time, she did not adjust quite, quite as quickly. She would even say things. I think in many ways she was trying to, to feel me out, sort of to see if I was still going to be there, even no matter how mean she might have been to me, would I, was I still going to show up uh, at the end of the day? So we had, we had to have a few talks like that, like, hey, no matter how rough things get, just so you know, I'm not going anywhere. Mm. I still love you. And uh, I can remember one time she actually said, I just, I want you to know that last night I prayed to God that, you would die and he would bring my mom back and she, and you would go to heaven instead. And I was like, whoa, okay, well, we can talk about this. Um, but that was, so it was a different, so we had a lot of difficult conversations, but in the end, it seems like, I think now, at least with the girls, we're in a, I, I feel like I'm in sort of a sweet spot. They're not, uh, they, they have both completely accepted me and, they're, you know, they're my, they're my kids just as much as the two kids that I happen to give birth to. I think, so Noah, so now we have a three-year-old as well. So Noah, when he came along, I think even though Emma had a lot of sort of ups and downs, you know, losing your mom, I think emotionally she was just, she's still trying to figure her way through that. Yeah. But I think Noah helped her quite a bit in that emotional, you know, uh, Emma always sort of felt like, Ella was always everybody's favorite. And then Noah came along and no, she, from the beginning was Noah, like Noah loves Emma more than he loves it. Any of the rest of us in the entire house <laughs> of Noah all the time. Sometimes it hurts my feelings, but it breaks my mama heart. He'll cry and he'll run over to Emma. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so we did, we definitely had some ups and downs. Uh, I think we've worked, we're, we are still, we have, they're teenagers now, so we're still working through a lot of that. But uh, at least on my end, as the mom coming in, I don't feel like the outsider anymore. I don't feel like, um, uh, I feel like all those, bu- we've, we've really gotten through those bumps. And there were a lot of them, but we're, we're you know, I, I think we're definitely on the other end of it. And I don't think, I don't ever give Naomi enough credit um, in that aspect. Um, stepping into a one, a culturally blended family, um, but two, that biologically blended family that had to deal with the loss of a parent, um, all of those elements coming into play. Um, she's um, she's very strong. 
Um, she could whip me on the street, absolutely. And some of it, you know, sometimes we would even have fun you know, with the blending. Like the girls, Ricky had said before, the girls both did ballet. They were in dance. And I can remember one particular time where, you know, because obviously my children, the, my daughters look nothing like me. They, um, you know, they resemble, you know, Ricky, you know, their birth mom. They certainly don't, res- the curly hair and the dark skin that I have, they don't have any of that. Right. So we were at, um, the girls were trying out for Peter Pan dance, uh, an audition for ballet. And I am the one that brings the girls and all the moms are in there like, oh, which one are you? Which kids are yours? Come the blonde ones. I'm 33, you know, they're like, which one? <laughs> of course, none of the moms, they're like, do you mean number number 23? I'm like, no, the one right here. These are my two kids, you know. And then Ella turns around and waves with a big smile. And they were like, oh, I can maybe she has your teeth. <laughs> well, she sort of resembles my husband a bit more than she does me. Right. And Ricky, how has the, the blending of the family watching Naomi perform with the girls or interact with the girls? Do you feel like when you said at the very beginning of the episode that you were you were on a mission pretty much, you know, do you feel like you've accomplished the mission? <laughs> well, I, I, I can say I've never looked at it as a mission. Right. I am I am over the moon as far as happy with how that has all worked out because uh, she has been a, a literal lifesaver to them because obviously even in a normal situation, she can relate with them on a whole nother level than I can. But in, in this particular situation, um, she's able to, with her giftings, one, just as a woman and as a mom, but two, just as her giftings within her personality, um, she's able to um, talk with and address and be with them in, in ways that were extremely important at that very, very, very uh, specific time because of the, the loss that they had suffered. But the, the blend, um, that's the blend is my favorite part of us. Um, I'm not going to say it's right. I'm not going to say it's wrong, but I'm an Enneagram one. And those guys that fall into that particular category, um, Martin Luther King was one of those guys, um, people that are structured and are altruistic and on a mission to save the world, kind of. Um, so for us to be in this blended marriage um, biologically, but also as far as race goes, uh, that is something very special to me, to be able to be in a position to um, make steps forward just in our, in our daily life together. In that aspect, and the race aspect of our blended marriage has been a very much an educational process for both of us, I, I believe, um, and the girls as well, learning the, the fact that there's a whole other world out there that we really sometimes are not even aware of. Right. And and as we come into the, the, to the end of the episode, one of the questions that I always like asking our couples is, knowing what you know now, if you were going to give yourself advice as it pertains to going into a relationship, what advice would you give yourself? We'll start with Naomi first. The advice that I would give myself is to make sure that you have a lot of the important discussions before you before you actually get married. I think um, working through some of the sort of hot button or more more passionate discussions that Ricky and I have had, I think um, I think it probably would have been a better idea to have all of those discussions as we were getting to, as we were in our courtship, I think. But for us, everything was just on the fly. I think it would have been 
helpful and probably a little bit less rocky in the beginning of our marriage if we had a lot of those conversations up front. Beautiful. What about you, Mr. Rick? I would say humility and selflessness. The the biggest roadblock for me during during the relationship has been pride. So right up front, I would I would say that to that 2015 um, Ricky Higby, you need to push your push your pride to the side, be overtly humble, um, and really go and look what Jesus did. Jesus literally gave up himself his, his everything for the church or the bride. And we as husbands need to be able to literally do that as well, giving up our everything, our time, our whatever it is, so that our bride can be lifted up. So that would be my recommendation. Tons of humility and put your side aside, put your pride aside. You know, I would like to ask you guys a question as well. And my question is, knowing what you know now, what would you say to a couple who is about to get married in the same scenario, um, what would be something, you know, because I understand we always talk about our relationship with God. What's a practical thing that a couple could do? Like for you, Ricky, what's a practical thing that someone can do that's struggling with pride to overcome it? And then Naomi, for you, what would be a practical thing that a young woman can do to help her learn how to ask the hard questions? You go first. Yes, I'll go first. So the pride thing for me, I would say surround your people, surround yourself with people who who see the value in humility. As they live out humility, that can rub off on you. And they can also call you to the carpet when they see you not being humble. So I, that's I, that would probably be my recommendation to them is put yourself in a space where you're, you're surrounded by people that are like what you're trying to be. In this case, humble. Great. What about you, Naomi? I think, so for me, I'd say there are two things. Um, So the first thing, and this is something that I'm still working on, is learn how to communicate in a language and tone and that your spouse can receive. I know a lot of the time with Ricky, if I can just alter my, because sometimes I can be very intense. As laid back as I am, my communication style can sometimes be very intense. And it'll turn Ricky off immediately. Learning how to communicate in a way that he can receive it, that changes everything for us. As soon as I can change my tone, that that marriage-wise, that that changes everything. The second thing, one of the things that Ricky just said was sort of having accountability, somebody, you know, surrounding yourself yourself with people who are sort of going to set you on the right track. For me, it was that was very important. Learning how to be a godly wife and a godly mom and to raise children to really, really know Jesus. It was kind of a, it was kind of a new concept for me. It was all pretty new and I wanted to do it right. And a lot of my friends were more, when I would talk to them about, you know, not just relationship things, but they weren't necessarily cheering me in the, in the, in the direction that, that I wanted my marriage to be in. So I had, I joined a women's mentorship group and I, so I actually have a mentor and I know some people might think that that sounds a little bit silly, but I know oh, that's I, important. I have a, per, a person and when things, um, when things get challenging, or even if I find myself being off the mark somewhere, or I'm not sure how to handle something, I'll call them and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Or just in all, you know, just laying it all out there. This is, even if it's something that I've said where I'm in the wrong, or I've, you know, maybe started an argument that was petty with Ricky and now we're, you know, there's friction. 
you know, I, I have a friend that sometimes, you know, I can, that I can talk to about those things and she'll always pray with me and sort of put me back where I need to be. Sometimes she'll go even as far as helping me to, to restart a conversation with Ricky so that we can go back. So I think having somebody that you can trust to share things that has the best interest of your marriage at heart is really important. Don't go and share all your business with all your friends and your mom and every everybody else who might not necessarily, you know, because they're all thinking my friends are going to have my side. They're always going to have my side. I need some, I need people around me that are going to have our side, that yes. are going to have our family at heart, not just mine or Ricky's. Well, that's powerful and that that's something that any young couple or even older couple can really value the importance of community. That's part of the reason why we created the Rich Relationship Community, because we do need other people. We are stronger together and it helps us to grow in relationships when we have other people to model our lives after, as well as to keep us on track. Absolutely. So, Ricky, I know you, you're kind of a motivational speaker. You can tell in your excitement in the voice. How can people get in touch with you guys and and hear you or even find you and see what you guys are doing? Yeah, the easiest way to do that is if you Google hashtag be as built. That's B-E-A-S-B-U-I-L-T, be as built, hashtag be as built. And that'll take you to all of our um, our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, our Twitter account, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you could also just shoot us an email at um, beasbuilt at gmail.com. But the easiest way is to Google that hashtag, hashtag beasbuilt. And we really, really appreciate you guys. Just Sharing invest- your story. Yes, absolutely. Investing your time in the community. And we, we'd love to hear the stories and even the challenges because that's where real people grow by knowing that people are going through some things just like that. And that we're not alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just remember, guys, we are stronger together. Let's grow. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your investment in time. Remember to subscribe to the show and hit the notification icon to be notified when new episodes are posted on the podcast platform that you're listening from. Or you can always find us on our website at richrelationshipsus.com or our YouTube channel, Rich Relationships with Bill Renee. If you found this podcast helpful or you think it can help someone that you know and care about, please pass it along and share it with them. And also, you can always send your questions and comments to richrelationships.us at gmail.com. This is a weekly podcast, and the new episodes are going to be posted on Monday by 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Remember, we're stronger together. Let's grow!